Recorded. Yo, what's up? This is your boy, Joey Burnham. And this is Fred Free. Fred Frio. Yes, this is Rio. Everything is grande. Nothing is petito. Yeah, Killer Clown is coming. Look around your town. It's crumbling. It's Big Tech yes. from the Midwest. Yes, yes. But the way you know, wake up, do that. He did uh, him, Eminem, Chino XL, and Tech Nine, and Roscoff. And Hell, Felony. Um, yeah. yeah. I think uh, RZA was in that shit too, right? Well, not well. RZA was in the, the freestyle. You know what I'm saying? RZA was in the freestyle because you know that they, they were trying to get these up and not necessarily up and coming, but these like well-tested type, well-known rappers to do the thing. Okay. RZA wasn't in that song with Pharaoh and us. I th- yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's one. Cool G rap. Yeah, that's one. Cool G rap was on that too. Exhibit. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Big game hunting. Yeah, man. Yeah. Big game hunting. That's what I'm talking. About. Also, I get an uh, adrenaline rush. With yeah. Adrenaline thrust or something. I don't know. And they were yeah. also called off, sold off, shotgun blast. Why did he have ass. to die like cast metal? Oh, see, that was back in the day. They used to do those lyrical hodgepodges, if you will. Like you had the one with Reverend Run had one. <laughs> oh the, yeah, the yeah, five, he did. The five boroughs of death. We repped to death. It was KRS one was in that one as well. Of yeah. course, yeah. it always is. Then you had the one with Big Pun. Nas, Johnny Blaze, they done damn thing changed. It was all like brothers. You gotta love us. Cause me and Pun and like you had that song. Yep. Yep. Then you had that the one we just talked about, song. the Sway and Tech anthem shit. Like that was a thing back in the day, assembling the greatest MCs and playing them on one track. That was there like really weren't a lot of Wu Tang Clan songs like that. They're like <laughs> they they almost never had every person on the song. It was usually no. like Six or seven people on the song, and then they would just, you know, other people wouldn't make it. I mean, Triumph had pretty much everybody. So I kind of yeah. almost consider that to be one of the songs, even though it's one group. Five, yeah. four, three, two, one. Whatever yeah. the name of that song was. Yeah. That shit had like a bunch of lyricists on it, man. That's, those were the fucking days. Oh, yeah. Those and they, were the days. And they did it to try to uh, recreate. Eric <laughs> oh man! Master, we can use a man like Hybrid Hoover again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Man, Whitey but, was the thing to hate. They, yeah. <laughs> then, uh, then Sammy Davis Jr. would come in with his verse. Mm-hmm. Yes, he would. Yes, he would. And they they were trying to recreate the real ciphers with the the illest back then. They would do the real ciphers with yeah. the illest, illest, and people yeah. weren't running away. People weren't running away from rapping. You didn't have people like out here saying that, oh man, you know, I don't rap. Man, I'm a, I'm a trapper. Like the whole, I'm a trapper or I'm an artist uh, facade hadn't taken over where everybody was just doing anything not to be a rapper but making money off rap. And you were just kind of confused. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what's generally happening a lot now. Well, a lot of people right. say, I'm not a rapper. You know, or, you know, and, and the ciphers is just kind of like, you know, you got like, 
we still got a good cipher every year. But not as many people try to rush to get those cipher type songs. I will say Lil Wayne did, you know, you remember Lil Wayne did that cipher song with under 3,000, Tech Nine, and yada yada. That was pretty solid. You see what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And then, yeah. And, Kanye, and Kanye West tried to do The Horseshoe Gang always had great cipher. Well, that's kind of a given, though. I mean, it's kind of like when you do the slaughterhouses and your horseshoe games, that's like a That's more like a group, cycle. though. That's, yeah, that's a walking cipher. Yeah, that's, yeah they're, and they're walking Well, cycle. you know, after the video, they used to have more of a cipher thing because they would have, like, different artists come in. Uh-huh. And then they'd shoot anybody who they felt like got the best I'm of talking about. I'm talking about a right. bunch of separate rappers coming together and putting their powers together and creating Fultron. That's what I'm yeah. talking about. Like yeah, K Slade used song. to be the king of that shit. K Slade used to do that shit all the time. Oh, DJ, yeah, he um, yeah. um, DJ Clue used yeah. to do that shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Those two niggas used to bring together the dopest MCs and put them on one goddamn track. Yep. What was that song yeah. on the professional with cannabis? The Fantastic Uh-oh. Four. Fantastic Four. Like back in the day, DJs used to be like, hey. Y'all Who in the hell want to battle the ill mathematical? My motherfucking brain is IBM compatible. Yes, of course. Oh, 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 now, you can't, you can't, now, Fred, you can't hate cannabis. that cannabis because everybody loved that cannabis. That was just a dope rhymer guy. He wasn't weird yet. He was just regular. Oh, like I told you, I actually appreciate cannabis. My problem with my only oh, issue was oh, he never, yeah, it's <laughs> real. I appreciate cannabis. It's just my problem with him is that he never was able to transition and actually write do an album. You see what I'm saying? So Cannabis, you know, was always dope. But it, and it's a combination of things. Like, he never had a producer that actually, he was a master, he's a masterful penman to this day. He had Y. Like, Clef, did he not? <laughs> and when he said Blaine Clef, I said, sir, I do. I mean, because this guy is a master. I don't blame Clef because he was just terrible to me at selecting. Yes, and but you remember that story I told you about him and Premier? I don't know if I told you about this, Joe, but uh-uh. he was uh-uh. supposed to do a song with Premier, um, and he complained about how Premier was late to the studio. Now Premier's got a lot of shit to do, but he's he eventually like uh, he worked with Premier and he didn't like the beats that Premier gave to him or let him listen to, so I guess they didn't really work or they didn't really work together. The beat that he let him listen to that he felt like um, Cannabis would be really good on was Devil's Pie, the the D'Angelo song. Oh, yeah. Devil's Pie. Like, and I felt like maybe he didn't hear himself on it, but in my mind, I'm like, man, I could hear him doing something over that. You know what I, I mean? I couldn't hear it. I can't, I can't hear it. I, can, I can't hear it. You know what I mean? I can't hear it. Maybe he would like him either, but in my mind, I, I can hear him doing something over it that's certainly better than the shit that I heard from Can I Bust. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Um, I don't know if you've heard Nigonometry and some of the songs from that first album, but I'm like, man, fuck. <laughs> it just didn't go yeah. well together. So I yeah. felt like, I, or or maybe he could have just, he could have been like, man, I don't like this beat. Let me do something else. But it just didn't, apparently the collaboration didn't work. The issue, that song... You know that song, I'll Cry For You? You remember that song? Yeah. I that actually song, remember that song. Which is I, I feel like if the beat didn't change for that song, like it had a mellow beat, then it switched into some other shit. Like yeah. I felt like if the beat would have stayed consistent with the more mellow side of it, I felt like 
that would have been a dope song. And that see, I much of that, a switch up. Yeah, and I and I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. One thing I will actually say is I think that at the end of the day with him, see, just like Brandon just said, well, I'm sorry, just like Jonathan Crane just said about, like, when we're sitting up here talking about cannabis, like, he's one of those artists that fits the mold of what I always say. Sometimes you got these guys, but they won't take the direction of an actual producer. You know what I'm saying? And they're doing it all. And like when I'm listening to like XM or whatever like that, and they're talking to these great, these great songwriters that have wrote songs that are so timeless that they just won't die. The greatest entertainers of all time didn't have somebody standing there saying, nah, you, that, that ain't working. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and people don't want to admit that. And, and there's always been a part of hip hop that kind of like, that's been the Achilles heel for some of the greatest because they're still trying to do be so authentic to the street singer-songwriters, which is fine. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Those who can pull it off, kudos to them, hats off to them. But at the end of the day, it's good to have a, a, a section of voices that can actually say that, you know, they ain't got to write. They ain't nobody writing them for you. You're going to do your own thing. But just sitting down and saying, look, we got to try to tighten this up so we can go on. We got to fix this beat. This beat ain't strong enough. It ain't carrying weight. Some man can't wait. You know, you can go in and deliver amazing bars, but if you do it over a ten beat, it's gonna be trash. And people gonna just yeah. Kinda, you need you, know, you need some sort of direction. Exactly. And if in the hook ain't there, like sometimes it don't even require. And people who are he- lyrical heavy like cannabis. He needed more like a DJ with him. He needed to keep the elements together because he was so lyrical heavy. Like people like that used to bug me when they used to go around and then mess around and say only certain people could carry like say a good a carry a singer because sometimes a singer would throw you off when somebody's just delivering that heat you see what i'm saying you're like what what i mean it had to it really had to be a part of the song you feel me mm-hmm. but a lot of people just try to shoehorn that in there because they're like that's the way that's the way people gonna listen to me i'm like bruh no that no no that's not that's like man, if i'm listening to death metal I'm not sitting up here trying to, all of a sudden, somebody breaks out and start going, and now we're in heaven. Like, what? That's that's not, the aesthetics is not the same, bro. You, you're throwing off the aesthetics. Like, you need somebody, if you're going to go hard rhyme, you need somebody to get something structurally in there that's going to work for what you're doing. And, and a lot of people just didn't get that. That's why you need a producer. A producer can help you work there, get there. Um, and I mean, a uh, a, a in, in not, not as much as a beat maker. A producer is a person who helps you direct it. Like it's kind of like people don't understand that different people on the team, the mix guys who are like, we're gonna take that drum out. I don't like that. Yeah, and bass. That's that's when they're at that level. You feel me? Right. They're they're, they're sitting there construction, helping you construct the thing. When I when I was listening to the guys who made beat it, friends, right? People don't realize Bill Van Halen winged that whole thing. He winged the whole, like, he was like, he didn't go in there. <laughs> he went in there, and he was just like, eh. you know, he's like, he sit there and played that whole, that, that guitar, that guitar solo that you Dude, know, do the guitar. I want you, I want you to do the guitar, Fred. Do it. Right? <laughs> I'm embarrassed because I can't remember the entire how it ended. I mean, do I remember. It, we want you to do it. I do remember <laughs> that. that uh, when the, the producers that fixed it, now get this, the guys from Toto were the producers. They were some of the guys that helped Quincy Jones and everybody else out because like something that happened to the track and he had to go in and fix it 
you know, he had to go in and replay a lot of that stuff. And he turned in one track to Quincy, and Quincy was like, wait a minute, that's too heavy. You got to strip it down, meaning that it's too much like metal. You feel me? Right. He's like, he's like, I got to get this on the R&B station. This, see, this is Quincy and them. Michael then sung his song. You know, yeah. Michael then did his work. They then got Van Halen in there, and they're in the building the track around where Michael and Van Halen had laid down. And they'd already had a, they had some, they had a click track, and they had already laid a track down, but something went wrong, and they couldn't transfer the track over. So, dude had to rebuild it. Now, you talk about Slash or Van Halen? Oh, uh, this is actually, uh, what's called it from Eddie Van Halen? But he, this is on Beat It. They're on Beat It. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. That was him on that. Yeah, that was Eddie Van Halen, and and he did, and the embarrassing thing is like he said he said it's funny is like he you know back then they were just out of their mind like uh, Doctor Rock so I do I do they were out of their mind <laughs> they were out of their mind on that stuff and so therefore he just winged it you know because they, they he just flew it in you know he did because you know he couldn't be too heavy because this was going to be an R P song. Yeah, so he couldn't let. He's like, so he's like, okay, this is gonna be an R and B song. With it's like, more of like a pop but, song, though, man. That's it, because it didn't that's even it. really fit into that category it like really the other did. songs did. It did, and but that's but Quincy knew that, so Quincy was trying to bounce between the two, and see, he could hear that. He knew what he needed to hear to make it work. Michael had done his part. He had wrote the song. He wanted to get that. He wanted to capture some of that rap in this, in this, uh, energy. He wanted to tie in some of the rock energy. And he wanted, and that's what made it pop. You know what I'm saying? He was tying in all these energies. Plus, it had a a backbeat that was similar to the rap music of the time. You feel Fred? Fred, they'll kick yeah. you and they'll punch you, and then they'll yeah. tell you that it's fair. It's fair. It's I think it's fine. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's where the hardest line. And then we'll fuck your wife and her dairy. Yeah. That's yeah. That's how it works. That's I don't remember. I, like I don't remember Michael saying that part. I don't remember yes. Michael saying that part, but he should have. It, it was on the it was on the ad lib. Uh, no Shimon. <laughs> no Shimon. I tell you what, you know, I'm I'm tired of this goddamn shoulda woulda coulda uh, cannabis conversation. Yeah, we gonna move on. We gonna move on. I, I just we just you know cannabis is like a. I mean in life. I don't mean right now. I mean in life. Yeah. That nigga. I mean in life. <laughs> <laughs> In life, oh, Lord. in life, man, oh. cannabis could have been a one-trick pony and been a legend had yeah. he just had Wu Tang Clan, dry-ass New York beats, and been consistent. Like, had he just, <laughs> like, he ain't have to get no elaborate shit. Just get some Wu Tang Clan yes. beats that, get some beats that just fit his time and just that, rap. That's just, it. That's, that's it. it. The 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 stoop, the, the album that he did with Stoop was probably the best that's combination it. of that that you'll you'll hear. When he did yep. rip the jacker, yep, yep, um, that's all it was. But actually, uh, when you know when he went to the military because he's a psychopath, when he went to the military, Stoop uh, from um, from uh, Army of Pharaohs, yeah, Army of Pharaohs, Jedi Master. He just trip. took his vocals. Yeah. He just took his vocals and just added his beats to it, and everybody was yep. like, "Man, this is finally what we wanted," you know. Yep. Even yep. though that's it didn't really good. flow well on certain points. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not like creating a project. Exactly. I mean, you're right. I mean, because, but he's right. I mean, Joe's right. Because, like, the big thing is, 
That's and that, but that's what I'm saying. A producer would know that. That's the point, though. The, the, a producer would actually say, "Look, man, <laughs> you need to be over these type of beats, and you need to, and I need to put like these type of hooks against you, so it captures the essence of what you're doing." Like that's it. But done for Nito, you're a legend. You know what I'm saying? Versus like saying, "Hey, man, forget all this. I'm fixing to go." you know, and try to rap over this. And what I really hate is when you see lyrical dudes like him say, man, everybody's doing Southern stuff. Let me do Southern stuff. Everybody's doing this. I'm going to go do that. I'm like, bruh, that trick seldom works. You know what I'm saying? Like, ease down. Don't jump on this stuff. You end up sounding like Mel Bleak when he jumped over and did, like, around here. And I'm like, yeah, man, man, gosh. I like that song, though. Man, I can't do that. Song. I don't. That, that I didn't like. Uh, I didn't like him on it. I think that yeah. every everything yeah. else fit, but him. I feel like if you just had Ti and you just had Trick Daddy and you just had um. Of course, who you know, you can get it for the low down here. Uh, that's it, yeah. and that's it. That's that's who. See, you know why I work for them? Because that's their element. Yeah, yeah you know what I'm saying, and but but you had it was one of those moments. If I'm a producer, I'm like you got to kind of switch it up and tell him like, you know what I'm saying. You need to flip it now. What's the New York equivalent of that? And Jay Z just wouldn't you let his kid die. You know, sometimes as parents, you know, you have a kid and and that kid is a failure. You know what I mean? And and yep. Memphis Bleak was a failed Jay Z kid, and he just wouldn't stop putting him in these great situations. And we're like, you do know that this is meant bleak. You know, that other kid that you keep ignoring, his name's Kanye West, well, I can spend more time on him. No, no, yep. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to spend more time on Memphis Bleak because we both, you know, we, we were from the same building or whatever, so we, we're yep. both he's from in, Marcy. He's in his wheel somewhere, sir. I, I, I know, but I can't, I can't fault the nigga for being loyal to his homie, man. I mean, it may not have been the I best. Can't. It may not have been the best decision <laughs> in terms of music and Maybe even a waste of time, but you know, and <laughs> <laughs> a waste of time. You know, in retrospect, man, you know, that was his home. Oh, it's, it's honorable. I'm not. I'm not talking about the honorable side of it. I'm just talking about musically. I was just surprised that Jay Z wasn't very supportive of the diplomats and their music. To me, I, I was never a huge fan, but I saw more in Cameron and all those guys than I did. In, but in that a, was a personal league. vendetta. But see, this is all personal vendetta type stuff because you got to look yeah. at it. At the end of the day, with uh, Mel Bleak, even beyond friendship, that was what Jay Z was going to retire on. People don't realize Jay Z, like at the end, that that was the end. Of, like his beginning was really supposed to be his goodbye. You know what I'm saying? Reasonable doubt was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do this last album, and I tried. And you know, it's really you know how the music industry is talented guy, but you didn't really get those whatever. You were with Big Daddy Kane, you're with Jazzo, you did all. But he's he's a true story. That's why I, and on another show eventually we gotta talk about it. But this dude, he checked out Fiber Box. He beat the odds, but he planned on just pretty much doing like Jay Prince. Him, uh, Biggs, and um, Dang Dash were gonna start that label. And Look, I don't I don't get into mentioning Jay Prince, man. I, I don't get it. I don't think hey, that's about he, he, he's a legend. No, that dude's the legend. He, he is the legend. legend, but I just don't want palms yeah. to be placed upon me. Yeah. Well, like I said, I will only give him applause because I, I like what he did. He <laughs> won the few black on labels. That dude is a respectful dude. I love that. That, that, that. He did his thing. He did his thing. He didn't even sell out. He he stayed with it. 
and and he got paid off for it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I got to give the cash money to them. They won a few black on label, and really, if the only part like Rockefeller and Bad Boy, they stole and you know took the executive bills and all that other stuff. So they, you know, they but they still got the, the top men got their money. But all this development went out the window. You feel me? Yeah. So it was kind of like it, it all became a vanity label at some point, and that's kind of like what happened there. Like he was hoping that after Reason but Doubt, you know, Mel Bleak was going to take over. He was going to catch him, but like Mel Bleak was one of those serviceable New York street dudes, and he never really. I, had I didn't feel like he was completely album. whack. I, I actually no, he wasn't whack. Was I, I listened to his first two albums, but it just wasn't a lot of meat there. Um, he yeah. kind of had everything set up for him to win, but it just he just wasn't. Maybe it was just my expectations. Maybe he was just a first-round pick who was never meant to be picked in the first round. He was meant to be picked in the third or fourth. And so he never performed up to those expectations, and I'm just kind of holding him to that standard of how he was picked so high. He was selected by Jay-Z as like this, um, as kind of like the guy who would kind of take up the mantle. Yeah. And he just never quite lived up to that. I guess that's not fair. He was a great goal, now. He was, he was a serviceable guy. Greg Oden. What's <laughs> Greg Oden? Well, Greg Oden, I, I don't know. I, I'd say that Greg Oden, if we could find a rapper that was unable to perform because he, you know, <laughs> he was injured, then sure, you know, or he had mental issues or something like that. But Memphis Bleak was present and, and it just didn't, it didn't work. Well, he would like, like I always use the wrestling analogy. He's like somebody who went to jail. Maybe to me, Shine was Shine was like Greg Oden. You know, yeah, Shine yeah. went to jail and he was gone. You know, I tell and, you another you, nigga who was a bust. In my opinion, Drag On. Oh man, come on, that but that was out the gate though. I, I well, Drag On could just he could just rap. The problem yeah, with him, rap. yeah, is he there was nothing else to him but. I had his. I had that first CD actually. I actually bought it. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Now listen, he could fucking rap. He could rap. No, no, I, I, yes, I, I'm with you on that. Go, go ahead, take your time. Go ahead. We've all made bad purchases, oh, except for you, Fred. You've only made good purchases, right? <laughs> no, this, this is, this is yes, of course. <laughs> no, Fred, Fred makes good purchases. He's never made a misstep in hip hop. Let him continue to attack me. Go Brain. ahead and continue to, to no, make no, me feel no, terrible. No, I heard the language. I'm sorry. They hurt me. And I, and I started. You got to clean that up. No, no. It's, uh, <laughs> no, uh, obviously, I, you know, just like most people my age, I was a huge fan of the Rough Rider movement and everything like that. I like DMX and most of the people associated. Uh, with with them could rap and you know they they did a decent job even if you weren't a huge fan of certain certain people I know Fred you know you're not a huge fan of certain people but whenever I heard Drag On I thought okay he can rap whenever you like when you hear him in ciphers even today when you listen to him he can clearly rap for two hours he's one of those two yeah. hour rapper guys yeah I can just yeah. rap for two hours so uh -huh. I thought that there would be more to it than just that so when I listen to his album, a lot of fire puns. Like, when I say he depended on fire puns, like, we get it. You're a dragon, you spit flames, you spit fire. But after six or seven tracks, he used so many fire puns, I was like, man, I'm really tired of this. Like, 
And it's 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 weird because it's not like he couldn't rap, but it was a bad album just because there wasn't a lot to him. Every song was just yeah, like, no range. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and no, and no real just, identity. And not and not good enough to be cannabis. Where okay, cannabis can do that, but he's so good in this one area. Yep. You know, he is the lyrical technician. I, I always one guy is just analogy. a three point shooter. One guy is just a three-point shooter, but he's so good at shooting threes. It's like, all right, this is the one thing you can do, but damn, you're the best in the league at this. Drag on was like solid three-point shooter. Now, but see, I always use a wrestling. I always use a wrestling analogy because that because it's both showbiz and some yeah. people just cannot get their identity right. Like I'll take a man like, um, you know, like we're talking about cannabis. He's a bread and butter rapper. He's a rapper, rapper. So he's the technician. He's the dude who's usually Dean Malenko and people like that. They come in, they don't got to have a lot of personality because they got all the moves. You know, they're going to hit you with a move that you ain't seen before to just look, you know, that just eliminate somebody almost. It's just terrible. Then you got guys who are good, solid wrestlers, but they're almost jobbers. They never really find that thing that carries them over. And that's what Dragon is to me. He yeah. was always him. And you know what's crazy? People like Murphy Lee that was with, um, the same lunatics and people like that. It's like they all fit in that category of these, these are obviously your, your high level rappers from your crew. You see what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying Mercy B was some kind of, it was on the high, same level as Dragon. Dragon was a higher level rapper to me. But, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying is these guys, they, they didn't have, like, they were in a crew with a dominant dude that had a bunch of personality that had it all together. Like, DMX was that dude. He had, like, a dominant, like, for those, you know, he was the guy in that crew. He's the guy. He's the, he, you build the house around DMX. And when you build that house around DMX, it's kind of like, okay, outside of the locks, you know, when they came over here, who they were cool onto themselves, you know, these other people were ancillary and they were looking for their identity. They never really found it. You see what I'm saying? And yeah. that was that type of thing. Like, people were just there. Like, and, and he tried to do the, uh, like, the, like, I got a different voice. I'm gonna rock my voice. I'm gonna do the fire punch. But see, this is where you know this is where I look to Swiss beats and say, Swiss, this guy's gotta have an identity. He's gotta go somewhere. He gotta go yeah, somewhere. they were riding so high too. I guess maybe I don't know if Swiss at that time was the right guy for that either. You know exactly. He I feel like he need, he I feel like he just guy. made a, and his album sounded like a bunch of songs. It nothing flowed yeah. well together. I don't know yep. if there was really a theme from what I remember. Um, it, was, it wasn't a theme. It was just yeah. like track seven. I rap now. Track eight mm-hmm. will kill you. Track nine. I can rap. By by the way, I spit flames a thousand degrees. I'm and I kill you. Yes, you know, <laughs> like, know it all revolves yeah. around that, which works yeah. if you're awesome. If you're absolutely yeah. amazing, you can do that. It'll still be a disappointing album to a certain extent. But so it's you're like saying the yeah, nigga was average. A little bit better than average in terms of just being able to truly spit, but not in comparison to some of the people we listen to. Yeah, and, and it's personality. Okay. We it's we personality. listen to cannabis. We listen to Crooked Eye. We listen to Chino Excel. He's he's not he's not y'all y'all listen to the Dean Malenko's of the game. Y'all listen to the very technical guys that do it well. But and the, but the, the super technical guys are the ones who are technical and can and they got a personality with it. Because I was listen, I was looking at the new Tech Nine album, you know, for instance where he's almost doing a mini-movie, like, with his album. This dude always doing something creative, right? Uh, like, yeah. really just creating a Tech Nine's gonna make you pay attention, because, like, he's a character. He's a character unto himself. 
You know what I'm saying? And that's basically... You know, I would slightly disagree with you on that. Because you can be technical without a um, personality whatsoever. Oh, no. I, no, you can. You're right. No, I, no, no I'm, I'm not saying, saying that's the best... I'm, I'm not saying no, that's I'm the saying highest level be, of, of rap. No, I, that's what I'm saying. You're missing an element there. Because yeah, part of it yeah. is your personality. Part of it is voice quality, personality, all that other stuff. And the most technical guys know when to leave a lot of information in and when to take a lot of information out. Like, you know, Big Daddy Kane was talking about that. That's why I'm saying a lot of technical guys are just technical. They're technically sound. You know, that's why you see a lot of, like, you know, say Caucasian rappers, they'll come in and they can rap very skillfully. Caucasian rappers. But they don't, they won't, or of other ethnicities. They can rap very skill, skillfully. And they won't, they won't do the other stuff. You see what I'm saying? They'll just be like, man, I'm the man because I can rap fast and uh, skill and, and skillfully, I can wrap a bunch of words skillfully fast because this is what this is, right? This is like micro machine, right? And it's like, see, no, see what you're talking about. I I agree with you, but you're talking about art versus skill. Like you can be yeah. very skillful and not artful. You can very, be very, very artful, artful and not skilled, and not skillful. Yeah. For example, it. for example, and and I don't mean to take this into another conversation, but for example. You could say that cannabis is very skillful, but yeah. not artistic. That's why his yeah. music suffered. Exactly. The, the reverse would be, you can say that Young Thug is very artful, but not skillful. Yeah. Yeah. So the best result is when you get the two. People yeah, like two. Andre 3000 is skillful and artful. And artful. Kanye yeah. West, skillful and artful. Little Brothers are skillful creative. and artful. Yes. What did you say? Somebody said something. I said Tyler, the creator. Tyler, the creator. Skillful and artful. And, you yeah. you want to have both. You know, so, and I don't know which one. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm such a fucking stickler for lyrics that I'd rather have skill over art because art is so subjective. Like, you well, can't I mean, argue with skill. Yeah. Like, you can look at skill and definitively say, this is skill. This is greatness. But you can look at art, and it just really depends on how it touches that person. For example, splatters on a canvas may touch somebody, whereas a Picasso may touch somebody else. Me, I lean more toward the Picasso or the Basquiat and less toward the monkey smearing, smearing paint on the canvas. <laughs> is, monkey, is monkey shit to you? It's, it's, well, I mean, they actually, they, they the actually had a monkey smearing paint on it. across the canvas. And what we're getting into now, what we're getting into now is the subjective versus objective. You know what I mean? But see, we're hip hop. Which rapper is the monkey smearing shit, Joe? Um, the monkey smearing rappers. All everybody with Lil in their name, with the exact, with the exception of Lil Wayne, Lil Zane, Lil Zan, Lil Goddamn, uh, 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 all them littles and them youngs and all the mirrors, them NBA. NBA doo-wops and all, all, all them niggas, man. Yeah, and it, but it, the thing is, you got to remember, with hip-hop, the thing, it, it, it being music, uh, first and foremost, it, it art, you can't shake the art. You feel what I'm saying? Because it's kind of like, if you're not careful, you're kind of like, the equivalent of this and like rock. Oh, I'm not trying to shake the art heavy at metal. all. Yeah, like, yeah, because heavy metal, they do the same thing with their guitars, right? So they go kind of like off into the these tangents with their guitars who can play the hardest, the fastest, and, and stay within, you know, 
sync and all this other stuff. It's the same thing that kind of happens. Like I always compare like the lyrical rappers to the guitar soloists that people like whatever, like they got to, you know, or the jazz musicians that really like these tight, intricate. You know, when I hear like lyrical rapper fans talk, they remind me of jazz musicians talking because right. they're always talking about how they're, they're basically, you know, music for people who just are the players of the music. You see what I'm saying? They're not right. as interested all the time in connecting with an audience. Then you've got those jazz musicians like Bob James and people like that who actually work the genre and make it connect to you. You see what I'm saying? Like you got the novelists and stuff like that where Wu-Tang Clan and people are sampling it because the song is just so heavy you put it on at the barbecue. You see what I'm saying? But it's some it's some, it's some sick jazz. You know what I'm saying? Whereas where, um, you know, some people are like, uh-uh, no, nah, man. I'm just going to go ahead and go. You know, like, the shit that pisses me off is, and I talk to Crane about this shit all the time, but people seem to hide in their opinion box, or I should say people hide in their art is subjective box. And it's like, that's a safe place to hide. And I understand it. It's easy to hide there because who, who's to tell Fred that the music he likes isn't artful because art touches people in a certain way. So who's to tell Fred that this art hasn't touched you in a certain way? Because art is, is like an existential, personal type of situation. Who's to tell Brandon the same thing? So I get it. You know, again, going back to my analogy, I, I look at the Picasso as art. I don't look at the monkey smearing paint on the canvas as art. To me, that's not art. But at the same time, somebody would say, that monkey is the Picasso in his fucking world. So who's to say that is an art? So I guess. Uh, what, what's the what's the internet busy? The gosh, what's the dude's name that was like the in, internet's busiest music nerd guy? Fantano. He's still like Fantano. Anthony Fantano. I think Fred and I had a conversation about this. That sometimes, sometimes he would find this really weird hip hop guy who came from like a, a, a point of view where he was kind of like the monkey smearer. It seemed like he was more impressed with the monkey smearer than he was by. Um, the person who was like the super skilled guy. Then maybe because the monkey smearer came from a different angle that he normally doesn't see. And so, gosh, I can't remember which album he would do this with, but you remember, Fred, we had this yeah. conversation. Yeah. Like, you he were critical of him. Yeah. He, he's on that You were critical element. of him for doing this. Yeah, because he was on that punk element, and he did, like, in the art community. He reminds me in the art community of what happens when you got, like, um, the, the art snobs that go and find the primitive artist. You see what I'm saying? So they go find a guy who's like, he like basically didn't get past the fourth grade and he's drawing stick figures. Now, you know, now Basquiat's work was considered primitive to like, say a lot of the others, like it's called untrained. So basically, and they'll be like, that's, that's new. That's different than the stiffness of the trained world. And yeah. that's basically, and I would get, ups I don't, I don't really care for that. We even had a, a local artist around here, well known, that you know he did that type of work. He was a talented guy, but they really would put that up on a pedestal. I'm a bit of a stuckist myself, but one thing that I always because stuckist is a person that prefers like certain things. Um, I know what the fuck it is. Yeah. So, but not really. Uh, but oh, it's just like <laughs> and, and I, I, I would hate to say that part of the movement, but I'm more of a I like I like illustrations. I like things that are like things like that.
But one thing I always have to remember. Yeah, you, you like saying yeah. something that, that is impressive to you in a way that is like, I, I man, how did he do that? How did he move his exactly. hand that way to, to do something? It doesn't have to be photo, photorealism, but. Yeah, exactly. It's, it can be stylistic. The first time style. that you pick up a, a, some, a pen and you begin to draw something, some people will think that's the greatest thing in the world when it's like, you know, it, it kind of falls into music in that way. Some people just exactly. are impressed with that because of what it means. It's like and that, and the that's the first it. time that he ever embraced this before and he did this. And, and it's all about, it's all about like everybody wants everybody else to kind of sip their Kool-Aid. And that's what I always try to help. That's why I stuck back after a while. And my big thing is I always support what I love. And I really don't really give too much deference to what I am not as interested in. I kind of treat that like I'm walking through a store and like somebody can be like, I like this. And I'm like, all right. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just gone. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to really, you know, because more like if people are like, well, I don't like that. Well, that's fine. That's more for me. You know what I'm saying? I didn't really ask you this. As long as you don't ask me, maybe, I like I'm good. Maybe I can kind of respect someone who, even if they're smearing their feces, that they really are genuine about smearing their feces and they love it. I feel like a lot of people are smearing their feces, acting as if they're, they're an artist and they care when really it's just, it's just a ripoff. So I guess I have an issue with that. I don't like the I don't like the smeared shit either way. But I can respect the guy who's like, "This really means the world to me. It's really my my art, and it's how I express myself." I'm like, "Okay, I don't really like your like your artful expression, but you know what? Okay." But I can't take that, the person yeah. who is is just kind of trying to fool me into thinking that this is what they really are when they're not. Yeah, and, and that's like you're, and you're that's, actually and that's, just, and that's what I'm saying. That's the part. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, because it's like, you can't argue with art, because again, art is personal to the person creating it or viewing it. And it's, it's one of those art is in the eye of the beholder type of things, but you can't argue with art. But skill is something that's definitive. You can definitively say, this is skill. This isn't skill. With that being, for the most part, with all that shit being said, I feel that a lot of people use the art, they use the vagueness of what art is yep. to argue why their shit is good when in actuality it sucks. For example, you draw a stick figure and it sucks. But your rebuttal is, but it's art. That's some cheap shit. You just can't call everything fucking art because somebody doesn't like it. Things do suck. <laughs> like things do suck, things can suck, and again, maybe I'm just stuck in my whole skill is definitive and objective, and art is vague and subjective. I get it, but I think a lot of people hide in that art box to um like 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 Freya said, get somebody to sip their tea who who's yeah. to say who's to say that? That young thug isn't art. Who's to say that A, B, and C, D isn't art? Like, okay, I get it, but God damn, it's a, it's a higher level of art out there that you must. Yeah, it, it, is, it, is it is it disingenuous? It's very and that's, disingenuous. And that's it. It's disingenuous that's it. because it's the hustle. You're using like, that art shit. To, it's like you said, it's disingenuous. You took the words yeah, out, out of my mouth. Let me say this right quick too, because I don't want to feel like I'm dissing nobody. As much as I don't like Young Thug, I can honestly say his music is a form of art that I don't fuck with. 
but I can see the art in it. I can clearly see the art in it. So I don't want to just use him as the poster boy for whackness and what's not art. He ain't my type of guy. Lawrence G, Mike Rockwell, goddamn Trey Mills, whatever you want to call him. He loves that nigga. He is art, though, despite me not fucking with him. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of fans, is it's like, oh. you know, because um, say Young Thug, he comes from like an actual movement that came out of Atlanta, right? So he has a place to come from with all of that, kind of like the, the, the quote-unquote uh, modern, like a metro punk type vibe that those guys were experimenting with. But when you actually look beyond that, you've got a lot of imitators that came along, and that's where the, the, the frauds come along. Come along. You've got a lot of lotto guys. And that's really what's been affecting this culture. You got a lot of guys that's not young though. You got the imitators of young though. You got the people that they see something. It's just kind of like when you had, because all of this is dance rap. That's the dance shell, the outer limit. You know what I'm saying? Or uh, whether, whether actually the front limits, because that's actually what you see first in hip hop. Um, basically, that dance shell is populated by people trying to make that hit, that one hit. You see what I'm saying? So they can ride on it. Like, so, so when you had, like, like when Luke and them created their elements and their sounds, you had a million people imitating Luke. You see what I'm saying? And embarrassing right. people could do it. Like, when you had, like, when NWA kind of just struck, finally hit with what they did, because people don't realize both NWA and the Ghetto Boys, both of them had albums before their well-known second album dropped. And the Ghetto Boys died. Yeah, five hundred died <laughs> in guerrilla warfare yeah. in a yeah. village in Africa, but then nobody care. No, yeah, yeah. They just Everything put them in a box. Nothing crucial, and it was uh -huh. business as usual. Yeah. The world and, is a ghetto. Yeah, <laughs> and see, and see, that's what I'm trying to. And see, people don't really understand. At the end of the day, people imitated those guys. I mean, many people did. A lot of them failed, but the real artists were those guys. You feel me? They were the guys. They were the they were the, they were the what's called a lot of people imitating. Some people were genuine in their imitation, and that was just a lane that they wrote. Other people were saying, "This is what's hot right now, and I got to do this." Kind of like CB4. When you see like CB4, you'll see somebody jump up and like, "Hey, what they doing now?" I'm black, y'all. I'm black, y'all. Well, I'm this. Oh yeah, that. yeah. That's, that's, and that, those are the worst. Those I'm are the people who are truly not. Now. Yeah, those are the guys who are not. They're not artful. They're not skillful. They're they're imitators. And they're just there to make that quick book, and they dilute everything. If I'm 23, about, Savage. Okay, yes, Fred. Exactly. I'm, I'm 28, Savage. Yes. I'm Infinity, Savage. And, oh, uh, and, right. So, so basically, once you get people doing that type of stuff, that's basically what dilutes everything. If you just had one 21 Savage, one Young Thug, because back in the day, that's generally because you couldn't just bite somebody completely, even though people bit sounds back in the day, and they bit people, but it's like you were called out for it, and you had to quickly get off of it, or you had to move along. And, and but when that whole trend wave came, where everybody, when one group started doing something, and the record label saw that they could push everybody in that way or not sign you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes record labels force people into doing things. They didn't yeah, even want exactly. to be presented in a certain way. Exactly. The record label like, would make it happen. Put this shirt on. Like the famous uh, Cool Keith said, and we, I ain't gonna monopolize the conversation in the first, but when Cool Keith famously said, he's like, uh, he's like, uh, uh, he told him, oh, no, nah, I don't want to wear a motorcycle helmet or uh, a jacket. Uh, why don't you wear it? Put on some, uh, put on some wings and flap like a parrot. 
<laughs> he basically talking to the A and R. Like like I like they I don't wanna do this dumb stuff. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. You know, so it's like and basically that's and see he's an example of an artist artist. Like he's the guy that's like, look, he created the abstract other lane in hip hop, but that's his lane. That's where he rides. He's done almost every style that you can do. And his off kilter style is just his most signature. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, and, and if, if people know his catalog, he's done almost every style that you can do. His, 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 he was riding 808s and stuff before it was even there with the moves and all that other stuff. All right. So, but anyway, yeah, that's, I'm going to let Joy Burnham take us in for the real, real, because we, we, we had a good little feel right there. I mean, well, shit, fuck it now, Fred. Goddamn. Oh, no, 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 no. We're getting all that. We got all that. And all that other stuff. We, we got a good call. We 48 minutes in. Shit, I'll do it, though. Um, I, well, I mean, well, no, we, but you know what? We can actually fly that over. We can cut this part out, but we can fly that over. We can fly over where we are there. We should have one. Or you can do it at the end, too. Yeah, I should have I got made some stops. Yeah, I can do that at the end. <laughs> We gotta keep that. <laughs> you gotta take a breather after that one, huh? Hey, rest. I got we have we have some uh, elected officials that we want to check in there. But anyway, y'all y'all want to talk yeah. about this Anthony Joshua shit? How do you pronounce yeah. that Mexican's name, McWayne Ruiz? Yeah, it's not really yeah. a difficult name to pronounce. Is it Ruiz or not, nigger? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 mean, I, believe, I believe it's Ruiz. I believe it's Ruiz. <laughs> I, I, I had to check myself. I'm, I'm with. I'm pretty it. certain it's Ruiz. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's like a color of someone's eye. How do you pronounce his 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 name? John is his name. Joan, John I. <laughs> yes, John. Really, you're a smart nigga. You know that. You want a smart one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joshua. Did you ever watch the? Uh, did you ever watch the? Uh, Fight. I watch bits and pieces of the fight because I really wasn't interested in it because to be real with you, YouTube and TV and ESPN and DAZN and all those little <laughs> clips and snippets, they kind of give you the whole goddamn fight anyway. Yeah. Um, but what I took away from the fight is a lot of things. Anthony Joshua was, lethar- was lethargic and he fucked up. He didn't use his jab or his mobility. He um, underestimated Ruiz, because like I was telling you the other day when I was talking to you, Crane, Ruiz is a fat heavyweight, but I can look at his height and his stature and his frame and tell that if he was to drop that fat, he'd be a more slender guy. And he operates like a slender guy. He's he's fast. He knows how to get on the inside really well. He um is hard punching down because he's the shorter guy. Like, he presents a lot of smaller person problems. And he has good footwork, or at least good footwork for what he's trying to do in his skill set. Um, but he's, a, he's a, a deceptively agile motherfucker. And I think that fucked Joshua up, because a lot of fighters, when they look at tape, they get a lot of things huge, Joshua up that night. Yeah. They get, when, when fighters look at tape, they get a huge piece of the pie but they don't get that 100% piece. And I think the piece that Joshua didn't get was the fact that this fat motherfucker is quick and fast and agile despite this blubber 
that uh, uh, decorates and, and cascades from his fucking body. And that that's my my take on it. And you know what? He likes Snickers. You know, he's a he big likes, Snickers fan, apparently. Uh, uh, obviously, I can tell. But um, it's satisfying. You think it fucked up the uh, Wilder fight? Or does he have to win the rematch to kind of bring that shit full circle? I heard a lot of different things about this fight. I heard that uh, I heard Joe Rogan say that he he was knocked out the week of the fight and that that kind of put something in his head. You know, when you're knocked down, you're beat up and everything like that. You um, it does affect you. It affects you in the it, it affects you in the ring. Maybe it affected him that night. Um, as far as the Wilder fight. Hell yeah. I mean, it affected. I, it changes. There was a part of me, and I think we spoke about this, there was a part of me that was kind of almost in a sick way glad it wasn't really Deontay Wilder that day. Because if it was, my God, that would have been, that would have been pretty, that would have been pretty tough to watch. But like you mentioned the other, the other day, um, Styles make fights. And I don't know, maybe he, it's probably easier for him. Maybe it would be easier for him to fight a guy who's six, seven, like Deontay Wilder, as opposed to fighting this guy who was under him and like was a smaller fighter. Um, Teddy Atlas mentioned that he was just having a lot of trouble dealing with that. He was having trouble dealing with this, this smaller guy with quick feet and hand speed. Um, and he couldn't really use his, couldn't really use his, his reach to his advantage, but Dealing with a Deontay Wilder, I mean, that was the first time he ever really fought anyone who was that size. Maybe fighting someone who um, is a longer target, maybe that would be easier for him. Now, in saying that, I think he gets knocked the fuck out by Deontay Wilder if they do fight, but it changes it. It was it was a mega fight. It was what people wanted to watch, but I kind of get frustrated with this sports-wise because I want to see the best fight and it's frustrating that this fight can't be what it was, but maybe it never was really going to be that maybe uh, Joshua is talented, but he's stiff and robotic. Like you just mentioned. And the fight was just never going to be that good. Now maybe Ruiz and Wilder could be amazing. Can I rebuttal that please? You can. The Joshua that we saw in the Ruiz fight is not the Joshua we saw in the Klitschko fight. And I don't think that will be the Joshua we get in the Wilder fight, if that fight even happens. Because in order for that fight to happen now, Joshua's got to beat Ruiz in a rematch. He's got to right his wrong. That Joshua is not representative. It's it's just not representative of who the fuck he is. I still think Joshua... I, I think... I think Joshua does better against Wilder because he takes him serious, unlike Ruiz. He's taller, unlike Ruiz. He's watched more tape on Wilder, in my opinion, my assumption, unlike Ruiz. And he takes that serious because that's the boogie monster. Um, So I think he does better. Do I feel as if he will beat Wilder? If you would ask me that question two months ago, I would have said Joshua beats Wilder. But if you ask yeah. me that question right now, I would have to say <laughs> I don't know. I would have to say I don't know. I can't say if that you, Wilder you beats him, me, but I can't you say ask he me, beats Wilder. If, if you ask me, I, I, I can't see him surviving. 
Because I, I have to ask myself who punches harder, and I know it is different because I've seen Wilder catch everyone. So I've seen him catch Lewis. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Ortiz is a is a pretty good boxer. Tyson Fury is an excellent boxer for his size for the heavyweight division. Um, probably a better boxer technically than Anthony Joshua is. He caught him. So. He caught everybody. I don't think there's a single person he hasn't hurt in all 40 bouts. So I know he's going to catch Joshua because I'm, I just don't see anything about him that's special enough to prevent. And Joshua has been down his last, what, three fights or whatever. Klitschko got him down. Ruiz got him down. He's been down several times. So I'm thinking, I just got to believe that this guy's that he's going to have to taste Wilder's power. And I have a problem with watching that fight thinking or really any Wilder fight, if he catches him, I have a tough time believing that he's going to be able to get up from it. Um, but Tyson Fury did. Um, Tyson Fury did. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm discrediting Anthony Joshua's chin based off of the Ruiz fight. Maybe that's unfair. Now, one thing I got to say is, um, I will say that, you know, as a brawler, as we said, y'all said styles make fights. You know, um, he did once he got inside. When he rocked him with that that blow to the the ear, that kind of like set the tone for what was to come. Uh, I don't think he ever really recovered from that. And like you know, Joe was talking about earlier, he allowed he was allowing him to do what a, a, a small man wants to do in a tall man small man fight. And that's what Joe was talking about, you know. And I said it differently, but he said it exactly like that. Like, when he got inside, he's a brawler, and he throws punches and bunches. And this is one of those type of things. It's just like, he didn't, he sit there and tried to brawl with a brawler. Like, you never, and I'm not a fight guy to the point where, as I watch boxing, you know, I'm a, you know I do like boxing. But, um, you know, man, I do watch some of the other stuff. But when I'm watching, watching it, I'm looking like, look, you can't fight this. You can't let somebody else make you fight their fight. Because once they make you fight their fight, it's game over for you. Like, cause unless you're yeah. just so good, you're so proficient, you're so good at switching styles that you can pretty much get it, you know, you got that in your arsenal. And that's not in Joshua's arsenal. At no time have you seen him stand out there and, like, just, just brawl. But when you saw, like, Reed, he when he steps in there, he's used to, like, I want to get close to you so I can... Pretty much throw punches and bunches, so we can go to, so we can go to the, you know, go around on this and whatever. One hundred amateur boxing, fights, by the way. When, that's what I was about to say. One hundred amateur fights. And, you know, Tyson Fury and Ruiz have great amateur backgrounds. They have good, good and great amateur backgrounds. So however you want to do it is whatever. Whereas both Wilder and Joshua started late into boxing. They had amateur yeah. backgrounds, but they started late. You know what I'm saying? And there's a lot of muscle Wilder memory. started especially late. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Especially late. Yeah, especially late. And when really been we, boxing for like 10 years, really. Exactly. Which sounds like a long time, but in comparison to other people who no, started not. boxing, you look at Floyd boxing since he was like a baby, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, so yeah since he was brief, he, he started punching the doctor. So, <laughs> at the end, of, he, he came out, uh, what you got? Uh, uh. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, dude got that kind of muscle memory. Like, so you put him in, he's a brawler with muscle memory. You see what I'm saying? And it always reminds me, there was right. an old classic cartoon 
like well, you know, uh, well, Foghorn Leghorn had this little rooster, and you, if you hit the button, uh, hit the bell, he just came out swinging, knocking out anything that's in front of him. You see what I'm saying? And it's just right. the, the bell ringing just makes him start swinging, and that's how these, that's how a brawler is. You see what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying that like they don't have any kind of method to their madness. They have a lot of method to their madness, but it's just the fact that if you try to brawl with a brawler, you are not gonna. Unless you're a brawler too and know how to counteract and you can get in there and you got a strong chin, that's not a good move. And and see, the last thing I'll say about it is Mayweather was trying to talk to Joshua about this. You see what I'm saying? He was trying to say he offered to help to, to help him work on his defense. Because he saw errors in his defense overall. And like, you know, again, and I'll let let Joe elaborate on this, like Mayweather is, is one of those guys that he he figured this he He's a mathematician when it comes to fight. You feel I me? Mean? He figures out problems. He sits there and fight. And a lot of people don't like that because a lot of people want their friends to flesh on balling, brawling stuff. He's they certainly want... not a linguist when it comes to fighting. Oh, no, now He is not a linguist. Or a poor Lord <laughs> say yes. Maybe but, that's uh, a low blow. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm, I'm, st- I, I'm, I'm not getting it back because he'll send the money team after me. But, um, you, know, uh, you know, I ain't trying to have Ray J. Collins. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like he tried to help him out on that. You know, he tried to tighten him up, but he didn't really go for it. And this is what happened. And a lot of people don't like Mayweather for that. They say he's running. They say he's doing this. They say he's doing that. And I'm like, but that's kind of like, you know, you're doing things to neutralize what a brawler can do. You don't want, like, brawlers want to get you in the corner. They want to do this other stuff. They want to do this type of thing so they can do... We always used to talk about it, man. Like, people want to see blood. They want to see... They want to see a fight. Um, yeah. Mayweather was... He wasn't that guy. He he was too smart to do that. Uh, yeah. We would always get frustrated. You know, Joe, Joe and I would talk about this, that we never understood why people expected um, someone to play into... Uh, they wanted a fighter to play into... The other uh, fighters game. Yeah, exactly. And they they wanted a brawl. When you're not a brawler, Mayweather is not a brawler. He's not going to do that. So, yep. you know, wh- why would you why would you play to someone's strength? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, there was a yeah. Roberto Duran fight uh, actually, where um, everybody knows the the classic Roberto Duran versus Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard kind of outwitted Roberto Duran or frustrated him enough with his antics in the ring you know yeah and it it, you know roberto duran wasn't gonna get the fight that he wanted so he's being outwitted and maybe outboxed but he's like if you stand here with me you're not man enough i will beat you to sleep and you know um and 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 he probably he probably thought you know i'm not gonna get the fight that i want so he he decided to kind of check out literally you know Because Sugar yep. Ray Leonard outsmarted him and frustrated him. Yep. Um, I remember they put Ar- Arturo Gotti against Floyd, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather because they wanted to see the boxer go against the ultimate boxer go against the brawler. And he really beat him to sleep, actually. If you really remember that fight, rest in yes. peace, Arturo yeah. Gotti. Yeah. yeah. But he showed that he could he could beat up the brawler. That was his main reason for, for to me for taking that fight because he wanted yep. to show, hey, I could I could beat people up too. Yep. And he just outclassed him. He really outclassed yep. most people. Floyd, Mar- <laughs> uh, 
I'm getting fucking tongue twisted. Floyd Mayweather. He can beat anybody who wants to fight. Anybody with aggression. Anybody who wants to fight. If anybody has a perfect boxing style and approach, it's, it's probably Mayweather. He um he knows how to prize fight. He knows how to prize fight. It's certain loopholes in in all of sports. There are rules that, if exploited, will aid the person that exploits them the most. Aside from the skill, aside from the physical acumen, aside from the fact you know how to purely play the game or fight, aside from that, all sports have these rules that if you exploit them, it will it'll help you out a lot. Floyd Mayweather is, is a really good prize fighter. He knows how to hold you. He knows how to twist your elbow on the opposite side that the, the referee is looking. So it's out of the referee's view. You know, he knows how to um, step on your foot. He knows how to do these little things. He knows, he knows that if he holds you at a certain time during the round, it'll slow your momentum down, almost like stalling the clock. He knows how to do these prize fight things because a boxing match, like it's a difference between a street fight and a boxing match. Uh-huh. And a lot of people who try to go in the boxing world and street fight, even if they're intelligent street fighters, even if they're a, a, a combination of a street fighter and a tactician, if you have a street fight mentality, you can lose sometimes, sometimes because you're not fighting a prize fight. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I think Floyd Mayweather is Most probably definitely. one of the Floyd Mayweather is one of the best prize fighters. He's one of the best pure boxers of all time. Don't get it fucked up. I'm not saying he isn't. I'm not saying he needed those tactics to win, but I am saying those tactics helped him win and it added to his pure boxing um intelligence and skill. And he, he exploited he exploited a lot of shit. And I I don't think it's too many people better than him at that. Maybe Hopkins was pretty good at prize fighting and knowing how to exploit shit. Um, That's about the only other person I can think of off the top of my head. You know, my boxing knowledge is is, is limited in some ways. But, um, yeah, going back to Mayweather. I think that when I I watch Lomachenko now, you know, he's such a tactician and what he does. It's it's almost like he's freakish in that area, but he's more of a pure boxer. You feel what I'm saying? Like he has ring trickery. But then, yeah, I guess I guess his first fight kind of proved that he couldn't do that right away. The first fight that he lost. Going back to Anthony Joshua, um, just piggybacking off something you said, Crane. I don't think I, I don't know who wins that fight, Wilder or Joshua. I would have I would have said Joshua a couple months ago, but I don't know who wins that fight. But I think he definitely does better. And um, but ultimately, I don't know who wins that fight because he lost a lot of points, momentum, losing to Ruiz. All right, let's yeah. also talk about um, 
let's also talk about the fact that when he was losing that fight, I didn't like necessarily like how certain things were going. Um, Teddy Atlas talked about his equilibrium being thrown off by being punched in the back of the in the back of the ear or behind the nah, ear. See, that's that's a big deal. Um, yep, that is a big deal. Um, but I don't know. I, I it's I try not Man, to spit your fucking it. mouthpiece out. I, I was to. just talking about. I was just talking about knowing how to exploit the game. Man, yeah. spit your mouthpiece out, Joshua. He spit was it out. spitting his mouthpiece out. He well, goddamn it. He, he was just fucked then. I stand corrected. Yeah, yeah. He he spat it out several times. But, I mean, he was trying. I, sometimes you take a punch and it, and it throws you off. And he did get up three or four times when a lot of people wouldn't get up. So he got up, you know, on four separate occasions. Um, and, you you know, you saw the referee ask him to come forward and he wasn't complying. So the referee called the fight. But... I feel like maybe I haven't been giving a lot of people haven't been giving uh, Deontay Wilder enough credit. I think people have done nothing but take credit away from him on a lot of levels. Not us. Um, you know, we 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 all know that he's not an elite boxer. We all know that. Everybody knows that. I'm pretty right. sure he knows that. But I feel like when I when I analyze his actions, I have to give him more credit for trying to fight people. He tried to fight for that kid. A lot of people don't know that. He tried to fight. Everybody was like, you haven't fought anybody. After he fought Arthur Splitska, everybody was like, you haven't fought anyone. You fought a bunch of bums. And he did fight a bunch of bums, but everybody fights bums. Who doesn't fight bums? Yeah. Um, you you got to fight bums. When you're coming up, that's what you do. You, you just get yourself familiar with, with fighting and fighting professionally. Nobody's going to step out and fight, you know, unless, unless it's Lomachenko. He kind of fought kind of a veteran his first fight, which his first professional fight, which was kind of crazy, which is what I was alluding to. But I give, I have to give Deontay Wilder more credit or a lot of credit that I don't think he has received because a lot of people have painted him as this fight dodger. He's dodged all these fights. Like, oh, he doesn't want to fight these people. When a lot of times he tried to fight for Beckham, but Beckham was on steroids or whatever. And he still was willing to fight him. He, I remember him saying, I'll still fight him. I know he's, he's, not legal, I'll fight him anyway. That meant a lot to me. He goes out, he fights against Luis Ortiz. He almost loses that fight. I watched yes, that did. fight again re- recently. He could have lost that fight. That was, a, that was a fight that nobody wanted to take. Everybody who was a boxing expert said that that's the guy that no people avoid. People don't want to fight Luis Ortiz. He stepped up, fought him, came back, was hurt, and beat him. Um, yep, that's a fact. You know, I saw that too. Yep. And then he fights Tyson Fury, and Tyson Fury, of course, outboxes him, um, outboxes him for most of the fight, if not all of the fight, but the great eraser, you know, and a slow count, a lot of people are claiming slow count, could have been, maybe it's not, maybe it is, but um, I guess we'll have to see the second matchup to see if he improves at all, and he's able to try to put him out earlier, he's able to connect earlier, but... This is something that's going to have to box better, or it's going to catch him. (laughs) Definitely, you know, he's going to have to he's going to have to do what he's supposed to do at a higher level to beat Tyson Fury. Because I'm assuming that Tyson Fury is going to be better because he's not going to be coming off of that long layoff and drugs and being overweight. So he's going to be a better Tyson Fury. But I think I think that if he could beat Luis Ortiz, he's fighting Luis Ortiz a second time. 
which uh, that's a fight that convinced me that this man's an absolute warrior. I'm like, everyone else, and I'll circle this back to Anthony Joshua. Everyone on earth like would tell him not to take that. I'm like, why take a fight that will give you, it will get him nothing. If he beat Luis Ortiz, what is everybody going to say? Oh, you beat that guy before. You beat him before. You're just fighting him again. This is the one dude who really hurt him. He's willing to fight him a second time, and he gains nothing from it. That just tells me that he's an absolute warrior, that he just wants to fight a skilled guy. He's not going to run from anybody when everyone's saying, oh, you're running from people. Let me chime in for a second. He's got Wilder fighting Ortiz. Yeah. It's a rematch. Before Tyson Fury. Just, 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 just hear me out. You got Wilder fighting Ortiz. This is a rematch. A guy who gave you hell the first fight. A guy who his pedigree and his skill are fucking phenomenal. Just like you said, it proves that Wilder is a fucking warrior because it's going to be harder the second time around because Ortiz, when you lose a fight, you know what you need to correct. When you win a fight, you don't know as much what you need to correct. Because, and Wilder is going to go out there and make less corrections, whereas Ortiz is going to have a game plan. He's going to say, okay, this is what I did wrong. This is what I did right. These are the adjustments, the adjustments I need to make. Because when you, what's the saying? When you, when you win, you win. When you lose, you learn. I think the yep. person who really learned from that fight, Ortiz and Wilder, number one, was Ortiz. The bottom line, this is a dangerous fight. But what you have here is Ortiz and Wilder. What if Ortiz wins? You got Fury versus Schwartz, or Schwartz, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. What if Fury loses that fight? Ruiz already beat Joshua. So what if all three guys lose against the board, across the board? So now that throws in Ortiz, Ruiz, Ruiz, whatever his fucking name is. It's Ruiz. Okay, Ruiz, the, <laughs> the, large, the large Spaniard. You've got him in the fucking fray. If Wilder loses, you'll have Ortiz in the fray. And if Fury loses, you'll have... Schwartz or Schwartz, whatever his name is in the fucking first. <laughs> I'm not good human, with names. But human who's fighting Tyson Fury. Human who's fighting Tyson Fury. That'll fuck up the whole heavyweight mega fight scenario if those three guys lose. And now or, you got, or it'll just make it the 70s. What you mean? More parody? Variety? Yeah, I, think, I think it was more parody back then. Yeah, good point. Yep. Good point. This has been another episode of the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show. And we're out. This is a Fourth Coast Media Production. Fourth Coast?